has now had his sons and his daughters through um, um, through his his wives and their maid servants, and um, we come to chapter thirty seven where Joseph has received visions from God, right? He has these dreams where uh, the sun, moon, and the stars are bowing down to him as well as um, the gathered wheat are bowing down to him. So uh, he's, he shared this dream with them, and of course he's annoyed his family, and telling them that he has dreams of them bowing down to him. Um, not to mention the fancy coat that uh, his, his father made for him and reason for uh, his brothers not to like him so much. Right? So he's approaching his brothers, and some of his brothers are so fed up with him that they want to kill him. Uh, Reuben, his oldest brother, t- uh, saves him by convincing them to throw Joseph in a pit until he can save them. Uh, of course, but, uh, his other brother, Judah, convinces his brother to sell uh, Joseph instead of killing him because there's no profit in it. Just, they have blood on their hands, and they, they get nothing out of it. Right? Uh, so they sell him to the Midianites who take him to Egypt. And he ends up in the house of Potiphar, who is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And in there for the next uh, several chapters, uh, 39 through 41, there's a lot of uh, Joseph finding favor in the eyes of those he's placed in authority underneath, right? So he finds favor in Potter's family, and through circumstances there, he ends up in, in, in jail. You know the story where um, his Potiphar's wife... Uh, comes on to him, and he, he refuses, and then, but she accuses him of... of Chasing after her, right? So he ends up in prison, and then while in prison, um, there is a story of the cupbearer and the baker, and uh, there they have, they have visions and they have dreams, and he interprets them correctly. And of course, also, so he's found favor again while in jail, jail with the chief jailer. So no matter where he's ended up so far, he finds favor with those because God is is watching over him and protecting him. Um, and then, of course, he interprets the dream, uh, dreams of the two, the two, uh, the two folks from Pharaoh's uh, court, and the uh, the baker is hanged while the cupbearer is lifted up, and um, the cupbearer forgets him for uh, uh, for a, two, uh, a period of two years, and then, of course, uh, we know the story where the Pharaoh has dreams of 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 well, he's not sure what they are. But it turns out that uh, he needs someone to interpret the dreams. And the cupbearer remembers that, hey, when I was in prison, there was uh, a young man who interpreted dreams. So they call upon him, and there uh, uh, Joseph interprets the dream and says, hey, there's going to be famine. Uh, there's going to be some uh, really fat years. We're going to have seven years of abundance and seven lean years, and we should prepare ourselves and uh, uh, had some granaries uh, set up. We're going to store it up so that when this time comes, we're prepared. And that's a suggestion, and the Pharaoh says, that's a great suggestion, why don't you do it? Um, so again, we're seeing uh, circumstances where, where um, God is, uh, Joseph is finding favor of those that he is underneath. Um, and of course, uh, the story shifts back to uh, the brothers um, and uh, Jacob, who are still where they are living, and they're without food. So, you know, the story where he sends the brothers... And they buy grenade, he recognizes them. Um, it's really like a game for the next three hours where, uh, you know, the money is given back and they're shocked to find the money and then they, they run out of food, so they need to go back again. They, they, they here are righteous in their behavior this time where the father tells, hey, we need to give this money back. We, you know, we, we paid for grain and, we, you know, we feel like we didn't pay for it. So they're going back and so this time when they're buying grain, they're going to make sure they have double the money for it. Um, although... There's a brother in jail who had to stay behind. 
Um, so I'm just trying to, like I said, recap the story. You know it well. And eventually he reveals himself to his brothers, right? Um, and, you know, Benjamin and he, and he are reunited. Um, but I want to uh, jump to uh, chapter 45 real quick if you're, if you're still following along and turning with me. Um, we're just going to read a few verses here. Um, so I have, uh, starting in verse 1, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried, Have everyone go out for me. So remember this, he's just, uh, um, he's revealed himself, or he's going to. But there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Joseph said to them, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother, whom you sold into slavery. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth, and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now therefore it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his household, and ruler over the land of Egypt. So um, he sends them on their way. He's reunited with his father, and of course the tribes, uh, or the tribes, the family moves to Egypt, and they become the twelve tribes. And of course that leads to the story of Exodus. But here uh, I want to um, I want to share again. I'll switch back to the the persecution and the armor stuff. And I'd like to hear your thoughts if you have something uh, you would like to you picked up on that story. We're uh, I, I have ideas of what principles uh, that were is going through, or what armor that, that Joseph equipped. Uh, but I'd like to hear if you've got something you you thought about uh, while you're looking at this. I, I'd like to like to hear from you. If not, I don't hear from anyone. I don't see any videos or, or screens. Then I'll just. Uh, don't be bashful. Today, Pastor Jeff. All right, all right. Okay, so uh, what I saw here is is right. This I think this is a good uh, example of the second principle, right? Where some will be delivered and some will suffer. In this case, Joseph does all the suffering, although there is some suffering that's attached to the rest of the world because of the famine, right? But because of the wisdom that God gives him um, and the standing that He gives, uh, that he gives Joseph, right? He kept finding favor no matter where he went even though that evil was meant for him, but good came out of it, that some will be delivered, right? He was delivered eventually, and really the, the, the world around Egypt, um, um, they were delivered. And then um, for the armor for the standing, uh, righteous behavior, right? He, uh, when he was in a bad situation, he got out of it and made sure he was in the right. I, I pointed out that I thought there was some righteous behavior a little bit by by Jacob and the sons eventually, right, but making sure that they they paid for the grain that they were given. Um, and that's, that's what I kind of saw in that story. But if someone else has something else um, that they're seeing, I'm not. That's okay. Um, uh, if not, then I will move along. Okay. Then, oh, yeah, go ahead, Bill. Yeah. 
hold on a second. Yep. Uh, so now I lost your page. Oh, I'm sorry. Right yeah. there. I'll, I'll pop it back up, no problem. Just gonna, it, it seems like all three of the uh, uh, principles there, I mean, you can kind of, uh, living in peaceful wisdom, it seems like Joseph kind of does that the whole time. It never really comes up that he, pu- he pushes back any yeah. with any force or anything like that. And um, that's unlike many of us, certainly me, uh, not wanting to push back when your brothers are tossing you in a pit or they're, I mean, I don't know, maybe there was. And, and he's in jail. He's not really causing any ruckus. He's not, uh, you know, he's just he's just sitting there sleeping away. And these guys are saying, we've had some dreams, and you, you interpret them. So, you know, I, I think we can gain something from that, but it, it's super difficult for me to accept those types of things. Uh, he, isn't, he isn't at least, uh, you know, he's not causing a revolt or anything. He's not causing a, 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 some sort of a riot on the Capitol or things like that. Uh, and and the the, um, the prayer should be for you know for those in authority. I mean, he he ends up he's working for the guy on the top the top notch, right? The top rung. He's working for Pharaoh and and the uh, uh, you know all those in the castle there. So um, I, I think you can apply all those there. So I think that's kind of the point, not just a single solitary uh, issue there. Yeah, you're right. As I look at it, you're right. There's, there's the peaceful wisdom, there's living in tranquility and quietness, and then when he's called on to do something, then he does it. Uh, Carrie, you had something to add? Um, yeah, I was thinking about how you know, we don't like persecution, we don't like suffering, we don't want to endure going through that, but how God possibly set Joseph through that to to humble him or maybe even like teach him you know a heart of humbleness and heart of forgiveness of um so and so that when he did see his brothers again and when he could be put in authority um it could glorify god so i just think about how like we don't I mean, none of us want to go through any kind of suffering or struggle, but how we can look back and um, see, oh, how God got us through it, but how it possibly opened us to our heart to do things, to um, heart to really see God in the presence of it all. Yeah, right, right. We can't, we can't see the circumstances, right? We can't see those through those things most of the time. Uh, we just feel like there's no end to the that we're in, right? It's too big to get out, and... Uh, it's not so it's easy to say, like, why, God, are you doing this to me? Or, like, get me out of here. Get me out of through this, you know. And I'm sure, I'm certain Joseph would be praying to stop the suffering, stop being in prison, stop, you know. I This guy was going to get me out, and, you know, it's been two years. But how, you know, our time is obviously not God's time. And just the faithfulness, even though he is in the suffering, there's faithfulness in it. So... Okay, um, stop sharing again. Uh, Unless Trevor, you had something to add. I do. Um, a little bit different from a mental health therapist perspective. Taking a step back, right? We're Americans. We don't. We'll fight for that freedom. We'll fight for that thing. Take a piece of that with Joseph. He was he was having the dreams. He was taking it to his brothers and his dad. 
And they were like, wait, no, no way are we going to bow down to you, right? Yeah. In that same way, we have that puffed up build a little bit that Joseph may have had at the beginning of the story. And you see how he he's no longer like that when he is second in command in, in Egypt. So I think that's a, a really good point to point out in that story. Please, Vine, I hear you uh, talking. You want to add or just... Uh... I add. You want to add? I'll Come on. Take, take so take over? Take All right, go ahead. <laughs> Um, I was just whispering back there that (laughs) (laughs) I was loudly whispering back there um, that I'm actually really encouraged by all of this because my natural inclination um, is to live in peace and to live in unity and to live in peaceful tranquility. I'm not saying, oh, I'm so great. Like, I'm not trying to puff myself up. I, it's encouraging to me because I'm, I often feel my biggest fear is that I'm the frog that's going to get slowly boiled because I'm too at peace and I'm too willing to meet somebody where they are um, for the sake of X, Y, Z. And so my husband, on the other hand, is much more um, ready to take a stand and ready to, you know, um, be bold. And I think, um, when I think of our marriage, I think we, um, because we choose to serve each other, we taper back both of those strengths and weaknesses and can serve one another well and in turn serve our community well. Um, and so, but just hearing these things, um, it's just encouraging to me because I, I don't want to feel bad for feeling like, am I giving up too much by choosing to live in unity with those around me, including um, non-believers, right? Like my parents are not believers, and and um, I have to fight the battle of serving God when I need to. I mean, always serve God, right? That's the first commandment, the Lord is my God. Um, but also, so is honor your mother and father. So... Um, anyways, that's what I was whispering back about there, that uh, this is very encouraging to me that um, I don't want to go so far as it could be a weakness, but it's um, really encouraging that um, it's something I can bring to the table, and that's not a bad thing, so long as I watch myself. That's it. And I was going to say, too, on a similar note, well, what we were talking about, right, is that I think Joseph is so interesting, like, in the Old Testament, he's often, like, considered one of the most Christ-like, like, he's, like, the precursor, right, they have a similar nature, right, they suffer, but they're righteous and bold when they need to be, and I think what's interesting with Joseph, too, right, is at the beginning in the story, he's, like, so bold, and he's, like, guess what, I had this dream, like, everyone needs to know, and it didn't go well for him, it still worked out for God, so I have to think through that part, like, still wrestle with that, but it didn't go well for him, but when then I feel like he got some wisdom from the interaction, right? Yeah, and then he just kind of, like, works his way up. Like, he's diligent, he serves the masters, even though it's unjust and unfair, the system that he's in. Um, And when it comes to any kind of moment where he has to make a decision between right and wrong, he makes the right decision, and he's not afraid, like, to tell Pharaoh, like, well, this, you know, my 
my ability to interpret is from God. Like, so he makes a bold statement, but he's not like knocking down everybody. He's not knocking on everybody's door to do it. Right? Like, so he has found this balance of in his sphere of influence, he's bold um, and he is beneficial to Egypt, right? To the world in that way. And that's where he gains that favor, right? Is that he's respected in Potiphar's household. He's respected in Pharaoh's household. And he makes wise decisions for everyone that benefit everybody around him. And that's why Pharaoh keeps him around. So just um, how he kind of navigates that. And that's kind of, um, I don't know, we see that again with like the Daniel and his friends in Assyria, right? They, they keep, they, which we're going to get to. So I'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Bill, go ahead. Yeah, so I just wanted to add, though. So, so Joseph does seem to push back a little bit with uh, his family. So they come, and he's willing to send them back. He does give them food, but he says, here's some conditions. So that's another thing, too, is that he is patient, but he does have, have some cojones to, uh, you know, to, to know he's doing what, what he feels is right. So, I mean, I, you know, I think there's some lessons in that, too. Um, he's just not just standing by as some wallflower and allowing God to do all the, all the work. He's saying, here's some parts that I think we could help to make this right. kind of question. Do you think, Bill, that it's a question? Because I agree, right? Do you think that that maybe is different in how he interacts with his family versus how he's interacting with the Egyptians? I don't know. I, I mean, that's interesting to me, right? Because how we, like, like Jesus was never soft-handed with the like the leadership, right? The religious leadership, he was never soft-handed. Like, within within the body, there's, like, a accountability. Is that, I mean, I don't know. That's just, I wonder. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, think, I just think that that's a point that we could look at, is that um, there is some standing, and we don't know all the story. I mean, we've, we've got highlights, and he, Joseph says, oh, God meant it for good. You know, I don't believe that he orchestrated the whole thing either. Um, you know, his family putting him in the pit and all of that. It's just he stood by and said, well, this is what's going to happen. We'll just see. We'll have His faith was strong, and I think that's my main uh, takeout from that. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So we're going to get the, the whole story to take up, uh, the whole time to take up uh, Joseph here. All right, uh, ask you to, we're going to move to Esther. Uh, so give you a couple seconds to flip there. So I'm going to take down the the principles in the armor. Yeah. And again, um, <clears throat> we're not going to read a whole lot of this story because I think we're also very pretty familiar with this because uh, the last uh, I don't know a uh, handful of years we've been uh, doing Purim. Uh, Trevor does a great job of setting uh, setting up a service around that. So we do a fair bit of reading of that. So, like I said, I think we're pretty familiar with that. I think we'll we'll pause at some at some sections. Uh, really, just I uh, well, one particular section. But uh, just to uh, set up the story again, this takes place a hundred years after the Israelites were taken into captivity into Babylon. And under uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, some of the Israelites were allowed to return to Israel, and they rebuilt the wall and the temple. Um, uh, the Bible calls the king in the story Ahasuerus. But people all in the history class are, might be more familiar with, with King Xerxes. 
but so this story is about the Israelites who did not return to, to Jerusalem or to Judea or Israel. These are the ones that, that stayed and lived in Persia. Okay, so um, again, this is a, a brief, uh, brief telling of the story. So the king's wife is excused from her queen duties when she refuses a summons. Uh, and this begins a search to become his his new queen, and a woman named Hadassah wins uh, a beauty contest of sorts, and her name is changed to Esther. And then um, Mordecai, her uncle, is works in in the court of Xerxes. But once she once she is the new king, advises her not to reveal that she is is a Jew. And um, an unrelated event happens in this chapter is recorded in that Mordecai becomes aware of a plot to kill the king and he tells Esther and she's the one who gets to tell the king right so she's you know gaining some uh, standing in the court by doing that uh, the next chapter in chapter 3 we're introduced to Haman who's our villain of the story boo right who uh, is an arrogant man who wishes that everyone bow down to there you go thank you uh, everyone does except Mordecai yay um, Yay! And uh, Haman, who is so incensed by this that he succeeds in getting the king to issue an edict, all the Jews in the land should be destroyed. And then in chapter 4, uh, Mordecai asks Esther to inter- intervene on behalf of the Jewish people, but the laws of the land say that anyone who is not called on by the king could be subject to death. If the king would hold out his golden scepter to show his mercy... That would be the exception, right? Uh, so again, uh, I, this is where I want you to, to turn and follow along with me. We're going to look in chapter 4 and look at some key verses here. Chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 13. I'm just going to read through the end of the chapter. Um, and Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. They're, they're, um, they're using a messenger to to talk to each other. Okay? And the reply is, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than the rest of us in the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty at such a time as this. So then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, uh, for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and just and did just as Esther had commanded him. So uh, the rest of the story is that uh, he's pleased to see her. He lifts, uh, he raises the scepter, and uh, even through the rest of the story, um, that edict is, is essentially canceled, and then uh, they're, you know they're trying to set uh, Haman up for. Or bad stuff when he was trying to set up Mordecai, right? Um, so again, I, th- this is another story of, of of persecution and possible extermination. I know really not reading a lot of verses, and some of us might not be as familiar with it as others. Again, I want to kind of I want to come back and look at that screen, and I, I, again, I want to hear uh, your guys' thoughts on. Um, Actions taken, and uh, or if you have, have a thought, I know it's, I kind of went through that very quickly. But if you, if you have thought for some of the principles and facing persecution or the armor um, they exhibited, uh, I'd love to hear it. 
So maybe some different voices this time. If, it's, if we don't get any, that's okay. And then the same people can have a thought. They can bring it up. Miriam. Do I see? No. Sorry. You changed to your, uh, oh, there you are. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Um, I just see that um, there is there is real danger that is around us. Well, in this story, is around the Jews and um, the um, gosh, the uncle. <laughs> uh, he seems very at peace and confident that though the threat is real, it is God that will be faithful and whatever happens, he's just, he seems so confident and bold um, and that is something we can think of. You know, and I think sometimes I, I myself skip over, like those verses is key in there, like so even if she doesn't approach the king on their behalf, Mordecai seems to indicate that if you remain silent, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, and then it says you and your family will perish, right? So Mordecai has this understanding that God is still going to protect them, but if you don't stand up uh, at, at a key moment, right, when when great harm could could become uh, on a lot of people, that that those people will be saved and, and you and your family. I, I'm not sure that I picked up on that before, but um, I think I thought, yeah, so there's there's peaceful wisdom with Mordecai and Esther picking their spot, right? Um, not Esther, Mordecai advised her not to tell her, tell the king that she was a Jew at the time, right? So it's still kind of laying low and waiting for that opportunity to show wisdom. And then uh, in some ways they're, they're, they're retreating from harm, but... but you know, waiting for that opportunity. Right, and then looking at the uh, armor, right, uh, um, Mordecai, his faith is, his shield is, is his faith, right? His faith that God will take care of him, and they've placed their hope in salvation in God and not necessarily in edict either, right? Or actions just seeing that that God will protect anybody else um, okay so it just strikes me that in both of these examples um, primary people who are acting are people who have not strived for the positions that they are in so in uh, Joseph's case, he was, I mean, you know, he was in prison and all of a sudden lifted up and, and put high up in, in a position that he had not sought for by any means. And with Esther is, you know, I mean, I, I mean, it's possible that she was trying, you know, that she wanted to uh, do this and, and be, you know, the queen, but... Mm-hmm. Most likely, it was not something that she chose. Most likely, it was you know something that was thrust upon her. Right, everybody line up. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
So I think it's just interesting to, to think about that, that, you know, God, God specifically created these situations. We, you know, the people involved did not, did not choose these, these uh, roles that they had. Sure. Yeah. Great. Uh, someone else? I don't see if it, I can't, I have to change stuff. Okay. All right, so next parts were, uh, how are we doing on time? I think, um, going, Trevor, what are we? You have probably another 10 to 15 minutes. Okay, all right, so I don't know if we'll get to the Gospels then today. Um, can we turn to Daniel? We'll, we'll move on there. I'm going to stop sharing that screen again. Oops, what did I do? That's not, that's real. I know, I know, I know. the wrong button. That, that's the stop share. Okay. Um, and here's where I could use a couple of volunteers. I don't want to do all the reading here. Uh, and so I want to start in Daniel chapter 1. Uh, someone wants to do first seven verses, uh, and then we can go... I do want to read the whole chapter. I think we can, can fit that in. Uh, and then maybe someone do verses 8 to 14, and then someone finish with 15 to the end. Do I have... A volunteer. I told you I'd read, but tell me again. Okay, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Come on. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave, what is his name? Je Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that he should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now, among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name, name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Michelle Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. All right, do we have someone to read the second section? So I'll read, uh, Jeff. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. 
So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Okay, thank you, uh, thank you, Robert and Anna. Um, right, so in this chapter, uh, we're introduced to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and um, again, they're 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 given wisdom by God, and they're they're sort of starting to give some influence, right? And then, uh, starting in chapter eight, there's a you can eat the king's choice food, but it's it's unclean, right? Because it says in verse eight that they might not defile themselves, so they refused. Uh, they re- refused that stuff and said, "No, we'll just eat stuff that we're allowed to eat. We'll eat the fruits and the vegetables, and you'll show, we'll show that um, we'll be in better health than than the rest of you." Um, and then again, the rest of the chapter is about uh, the king noticing that they're more wise uh, than all that he had surrounded him with. Um, let's move to chapter. Okay, uh, chapter three, but we're just going to. Sorry, I figure out what's a good spot to start. I think. Uh, so, at verse eight. So, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has made an image of himself and he wants um, everybody to bow down to it. And so, we're setting up the story of the fiery furnace. Uh, do you have any readers for that? Starting in verse eight. And uh, maybe go to verse 18 if they want to. Anybody? Okay. 
This one popping up. Let's do it again. Awesome. That's my favorite part. Okay, good. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, fruit, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of, the, out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. All right, so then uh, the golden image is set up. They, they, don't, they don't bow down and worship and they're thrown into that fiery furnace, and you know that even the guards who are, are um, standing watch are affected by the furnace, and they are not, and they are protected by an angel of the Lord. So you that. And then they can measure seeds for men, even though they threw in three. Um, yeah, another great story, right? Uh, God is able to deliver us from the furnace or the fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, we are not going to serve your God to worship the golden image. So, again, um, people in captivity, um, but given wisdom and influence, um, that influence didn't um, hear, it didn't save them, right? But um, they were pressured to bow down, uh, to, to violate the commandment, to not worship any other idols, worship any other created thing. Um, and then, um, you know, God still asked them for commandments. Oh, so I, see, I see a chat. What do I see a chat down there? Um, the, I think Trevor wrote this. I love how Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah pushed back on that piece of eating and God made them look better than those eating unclean animals. Yeah. Uh, and they continued to refuse to follow directives that go directly against God's word and ways to live. Um, okay. And then I think we'll, we can finish Daniel. Um, at least the third story in Daniel. 
Again, another story you are well familiar with. It's uh, Daniel in the Lion's Den. Um, anyone, uh, anyone want to volunteer to read chapter 6 and then uh, maybe go through 15, 1 through 16? I'll read, Jeff. One through sixteen? Yes, please. Thank you. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 salt traps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs but they could not find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusations against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the high officials and the governors, have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man beside you, O king, for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. When they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you sign, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel, and even until sunset he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came to agreement to the king and said to the king, 
Recognize, O king, that this is a law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. I'll pick up and I'll finish there. Um, The stone was brought and laid over to the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and when the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. So uh, even his own edict, right, he's, he's nervous uh, for, for Daniel here, and he's, he's losing sleep and, um, and fasting on behalf of his behalf. Uh, the king rose at dawn at the break of day and went in haste to the lion's den. He had come near the den to Daniel, and he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. May God, my God, send his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. And the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury, whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in God. The king then gave orders, and they brought these men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them. Their children and their wives into the lion's den, and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius gave, uh, then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. He is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus. All right. Um, and I want to come back. Uh, to the sheet one more time. Uh, I wish I had more time uh, to, to go through the book of Acts because it's uh, similar in nature, but responses are different. Um, circumstances are different depending even amongst the, like a disciple, right? If it's it's Peter, one time he's jailed and there's an earthquake, and or the the, the jailer's put to sleep, and the, the, the you know the bars are open, and he's able to escape. And then when it happens to Paul, there's an earthquake, and he could escape. He doesn't, right? Um, so the the instances are very different. They're they're put in danger often, um, a lot of times because someone spreads falsehood about them. But their behavior is above reproach. Their behavior is righteous. Um, in these situations, right, the principles for facing persecution are there, right? Uh, they live in, well, may, may, um, I don't know, um, the, the disciples had a, had, a, had a job and a role. They were they were to proclaim the gospel, right? And that was their message. Um, and uh, but in, in these in these other instances, we have people living in peaceful wisdom. But that that, that can also uh, uh, bring about jealousy for those that uh, who are your equals, right? But those who you are ser- that they're they're serving under um, like 
hearing from them and took their advice better than others, but that meant people went after them, right, and them harmed. Um, and in those cases, they were delivered. Um, and we know if, if we read the book of Hebrews, right, there's a chapter of the, um, by faith, this and that, and at the end of it, it's not everyone's delivered, right? Some are thrown into lion's dens and they're devoured, right? Some are sawn in two, some are uh, crucified, right? So, uh, in some cases, uh, God's people are delivered, in some cases, he's not. Um, so, some delivered, some will suffer. And then our prayer should be continually for those that are an authority over us so we live in tranquility, quietness. Uh, and then again, let's just go look at the armor again. Um, each of these examples, and like I said, you can read through the book of Acts, um, which I had time to get through them, but there's many stories where they're just faithful to, to, the, to the truth, right? Lies are told about them, um, but they tell the truth. And then um, they're righteous in their behavior. They follow God's word. They follow the Torah. Um, and even though um, circumstances surrounding them are, are set up to, to get them in danger, they, they behave in a righteous manner, right? Um, and then with the, the disciples or the apostles, the gospel is their message. Um, constantly, I, I really do. Some of them, they're, they're giving their testimony. Paul gives his testimony a couple times um, in front of, like, the synagogue leaders uh, or the Sanhedrin. They, they're giving a history lesson of, of the Exodus and how God took care of them and, and that eventually, you know, brings the hammer and, you know, we, we God, God brought his Savior, whom you crucified, right? So, and it gets under their skin, which gets in trouble, but they didn't, they didn't shy away from the truth. Um, each of these, they put their faith, their faith in God, and that was their shield, and God is their protector. He's, he's ours as well. Um, their hope was in salvation, that even though in this life we, we might suffer, right? Um, they know that uh, they're looking forward to the kingdom to come. They're not worried about the circumstances of uh, this world. Um, and then, um, and I guess the disciples use it more often, is they use scripture, or the apostles use scripture as their sort of defense right there. They're saying, we're living according to, to God's word. And they're going to they're gonna share the gospel. Right? Even if it gets them into trouble. And then we're reminded that by prayer and fasting, um, uh, great things can, can be done. Um, but also, it's it's also it, it can. I think as Trevor was talking about last, last week, where, where our focus can be on um, our focus can be on, on the bad things uh, of this life. But by through prayer and fasting, we change our focus and we turn our reliance to to God as that is our connection to God and that's our connection to one another. Where we can ask others to pray and fast for us. Um, so, um, that is it for, for today. I'll, let's, let's say a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, close.